a wife and a mother and an insurance agency owner, a friend and a PTA advocate. I am so excited to talk about all of the things that I find most precious here within our community, within our lives, and within our faith, friendships, and relationships. Here on Heather's Most Precious. Most people, I think, have one vision when it comes to pastors. They think that they can define them. You know, they preach a message. How would you define a pastor? Well, I would say that preaching is one and even main and perhaps the the main um, function of a of a pastor, but not nearly the only function and and at times not even the most important function as people's needs change and become more critical to them. Preaching certainly one function, but counseling sometimes an equally important function yet affecting very many fewer people at the you know at the same time so right. um, yeah uh, I would identify a pastor as someone who is willing to walk out his faith in theology and practice in the presence of a church with authenticity and sincerity I think um, those being two key components right. Why do you think that people do put such just a very narrow vision for what a pastor does? Why do you think that so much is left unseen? Is it because it does not focus on the many, right? When you talk about counseling, that is geared toward the one person or the family that needs that. Yeah. So here's what I hear in that question. Why, why do people think pastors only work one day a week? That's right. So, 100%. That, that's why you're in that question. That's, uh, again, uh, uh, yeah, we probably just maybe um, hit the nail on the head a little bit in mm-hmm. that that's most people's fullest exposure right. to a pastor. And oftentimes, while the pastor may want much deeper relationships and more frequent relationship mm-hmm. contacts with people, he doesn't, he's not the only one involved. So right. I think that uh, there are some, there are lots of, lots of factors that play into it, uh, not um, excluding the fact that uh, for many people, I don't think many Christians want Christianity to be a one-day, one-hour-a-day function. Right. I don't think they want that. But life has a tendency to, to smack you around, you know, kind of Monday through Saturday. And you, even I, as a pastor, don't necessarily get to capitalize on those things that I think are most critically important at the time. So, anyway... Um, yeah, I, I wish we could change that. But there's also, uh, there is truth in the fact that the pastor's role and function and job in and of itself is completely unfamiliar to most people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you asked most people, do they want to stand up and speak for 35 minutes, they would say, I don't want to do it for two minutes. Um, and yet, um, while that's a... You know that's an important function. As I say, it's it's simply not the only function. There is administration to be done. There is uh, ministry to be organized. There is uh, recruiting and invitation to to be had among members. Uh, there's 
placement in service and um, uh, again uh, uh, counseling and all sorts of stuff writing sometimes right. mo- a good bit and what have you so. meetings <coughs> meetings and uh, Sunday schools and devotions and ministries and, and, and oh, all yes, of the yes, things yes, right yes lovely things Y'all are hearing from my daddy, Duncan Locke, who is a pastor, has been for most of his adult life. Um, And I've had the joy of being under his teaching and leadership for a good part of of my, um, my childhood. I think I was eight years old when you took your first staff position as a minister. I think you were with seniors at that time, wasn't it, at North Senior Metro? Adults, yeah. Senior yes. Ministry, yeah. And then since then, it has morphed. You know, sometimes seniors, then it was also also included children's ministry. Um, has singles ministry was a big part as well. Mm-hmm. And, and then the Lord surprised us all by saying, "No, no, yes. I want you to move into senior pastor work." And absolutely. And that was, um, uh, that took us even out of the state that we were in. So it did. Yeah. Yes, growing up in Georgia, ended up in Illinois. From Illinois, which we will dig into kind of a lot of this journey, and um, then back to Georgia, kind of on the opposite side of Atlanta, where we had grown up, and now to Arkansas. Indeed, which is where you're sitting, right? right we're in Arkansas, and um, the thought behind this, I think, so often. As, as y'all know from our other episodes that uh, throughout this podcast that Heather's Most Precious has tried to show a different perspective, maybe whether it's from the classroom, the teacher, the teacher parent relationship, and um, whether it is a restaurant um, to encourage people who are interested in a certain industry. Hey, you can do it. Here are the steps that you should take. Um, or if it's just hearing something different that would either make the foundation that you stand on stronger in your belief or, or challenge you to think a little bit differently, maybe a little more open-minded toward something that um, you, you've never heard in this way before. That was a long way to say, I think, preachers, pastors, ministers, however you want to say that word, um, there is a lot of misconception. There is a lot of misunderstanding um, regarding the role that they have, regarding the calling that the Lord has placed on them. And I would just love to open your eyes to maybe it's just for greater appreciation for your pastor. Maybe it's understanding in a job. Maybe maybe you don't go to church. Maybe you're an atheist. Maybe you have no belief in in the same Lord that I do. And that's okay too. Maybe this is just to show you what the structure of a church looks like and what the leader of the church um, with what their role and passion is. Um, Regardless of where you are um, and and how you are hearing this being streamed today, um, I hope that it does bring encouragement to those who may be sitting in a ministry seat. I hope that it offers guidance for people who may feel the Lord calling them into ministry and don't know where to start. And I also hope that it brings acknowledgement to the sacrifice that is made when people are called into this ministry, as well as showing you all of the wonderful, amazing miracles and good that can be seen when you walk in the calling of the Lord on your life. So (laughs) that being said, um, dad, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Okay, uh, I will, but hearing you with that description of what's to be encountered in the next 
15 minutes or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it just m- makes me smile all over. And oh. so you need to know that when I listen to uh, Heather's Most Precious, I, I, hear a, I hear a girl who, can, who has learned to communicate remarkably clearly and in in a way that's so engaging, you do it with a smile on your face, and and I'm sure all your listeners are, are uh, in agreement with me on that. And I am proud of you. So there. Uh, so uh, I'll tell you a little bit about me. Let's see. I um, uh, have been married to your mother for uh, forty, almost forty one years, or maybe past forty one years. Oh boy, don't tell her that. Uh, and we've had a joy together. We raised two girls. You have an older sister named Christian. She's two years older than you. She, they, she and her husband and uh, three children live in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, there, she's a teacher, and she, she's doing. Uh, uh, she has a wonderful, vibrant faith walk with the Lord as well. Yes. But this is what I'm proudest of. That, and and we take no credit for it. Honestly, mm-hmm. we take no credit because. We've known so many um, really spiritual giants in our lives who've also raised children that have nothing to do with Jesus. And so our greatest joy has been to see your relationship with him blossom to the same thing for your your sister. Uh, the same thing for our grandchildren yes. as it has come about. We, the reason you're here, in fact, not not the reason. You're, the reason you're <laughs> here is to to visit us for the first time since we've moved to Arkansas. But the glory of your trip has been to celebrate uh, uh, believers' baptism uh, with your boys. Yes. Oakley is the one that instigated this, having uh, encountered the Lord recently in the last uh, month or, or so, uh, and trusting Him as Lord and Savior, and then and then uh, asking if He could, if I would baptize Him while here, and then I think having heard that, Laker, the most competitive mm-hmm. boy we ever know, is, yes. is also trailed close behind, and then your husband as well, and that yes. was uh, unspeakable joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reality of what baptism means, this encounter with the Lord in which the Holy Spirit immerses us into the life of Christ, which is fully acceptable. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Mm. And incredibly valued and eternal with God as God. Um, it's just that it's just a, uh, a glorious thing. Um, so I have always been a pastor, as you alluded to in your early childhood. Um, the, the Lord called me and made me aware of this um, calling. Um, I wrestled with him for a, uh, an entire week until I uh, resolved to submit. And um, that, uh, that required me to get to a point where I was willing to give him not just all of life as we knew it, mm-hmm. but that I was willing to give him not just me, but your mother and right. your sister and you. And that was, a, again, a difficult, uh, uh, challenging decision mm-hmm. that I have never regretted, not one day. It's not been easy work. It's not been um, simple. It's been mm-hmm. required... Um, seminary degree for, my goodness, almost five years of part-time basis, and that took me out of the home a lot. There have been a great deal of sacrifices, and as, as you just uh, again pointed out in, in terms of Arkansas, this is the fourth move we've made. 
mm-hmm. in ministry. Um, we are, pastors are in that way, kind of a quintessential aspect of the Christian life, mm-hmm. meaning this, we are not our own. Right. When we give ourselves to Christ, we become His, not just His property, but His treasure. Mm-hmm. And He will suit us in uh, function and ministry where He wants to put us. And we have the, um, again, the, the joy of moving, but also the hardship, the sacrifice that comes along with that. So, Absolutely. What else? I'm old. <laughs> and, 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 and that's just happened over the years for heaven's sakes. Uh, <clears throat> and an avid tennis player. I, I enjoy swimmer. I enjoy tennis. That's right. I enjoy anything I can do with my grandsons and uh, granddaughters. And uh, um, yeah, love love to swim. Hate to run. Um, yeah, all, all that stuff. And a joy, as y'all can hear, <laughs> through ministry. We've talked about how it is so much broader than than what we. Yeah assume which everything is and what has been the greatest challenge within this calling of of being a pastor of leading a church okay the first thing that comes to mind and the the and that which has been most commonly felt by me as a pastor is the unfulfilled desire for uh, people in my congregation to want Jesus for themselves as much as I do want them want him for them mm-hmm. um, this is um, uh, there is an aspect of Christianity in America that is anemic mm-hmm. with without life and without blood and um, we are uh, people who is anesthetized by the fact that our basic needs are easily met and our uh, secondary needs are frequently met, and so when you have when when a Christian has from America has an opportunity to go on a mission trip to especially a third world country, um, and find people who are not certain that they will have another meal, uh, not certain of the source of that, you know the most basic needs of all, um, and how open in that condition they are to hearing about a savior who would come to rescue them, that they might have life to the full. Uh, um, That when when you have to go back to home in America, um, it gives you a different look, a different perspective on on Christianity in America. So I think that's that's the one thing that I have, that has plagued me most, is that I seem to want him, Jesus, more for people than they do, mm-hmm. and um, maybe maybe that maybe every pastor would say that I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that um, as I have shared a lot with with friends and family in our church. Um, it's not until something bad happens that you realize your great the greatest need that you have is the Lord, sure. because when things are going well. When you got an A on the test, when you got the promotion you wanted, when you are able to, to pay your mortgage without a problem, when your kids get the sport teams that they want, when everything seems to be going well for you, your dependence on Christ is not Absolutely. as as evident, right? You, you, there is not a need until something terrible happens. Yeah. 
where you are dependent, yeah. where you, you understand the great need that you have for him. And you're right, if we're not in if we're not in a country that struggles with just the day to day food and shelter and relationships and all of that, then th- then we're having to search for our need. Yeah. And the discovery of this need though uh, is um, I think does have to happen as things go wrong in right. your life or not according to the way you'd like them to. Mm-hmm. I think that's the introduction to it. Right. But this idea of going deeper in Him um, with greater need and greater dependency and greater trust and greater love is um, a, simply a practical function right. of of life and faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really think that, again, we're citizens of two incredibly different worlds. A kingdom that is eternal with a king who has placed himself in us, not just to tell us what to do, but to do it with us. Not not just to give us the right way to go, but to lead us in it. Mm-hmm. Not Not just to change our desires, but then to give us the power to follow through on those things. I mean, he's, again, not just the answer. He is all of that. Um, gives us the opportunity not, not just to know him in every circumstance. And even and especially when we think we've got the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's really the page that I think has to be turned for most Christians. And that is that I don't just need him when I think I need him. I need him when I think I've got things well underhand. And uh, I think that kind of growth in depth in relationship with him, friendship with him, is um, a needful discovery and a, and a huge and great discovery. Yes. And as you talk about diving deeper, you know, our goal is to emulate Jesus, is to look like him. And we, we can't do that if we don't know him, if we don't daily converse with him, if we don't no, daily... Honestly open our Bibles and worship and invite him to live the day with us. Sure. And even this looking like him is really his work in us by his right. spirit, conforming us to the image of Christ that had been born again, mm-hmm. that has been his image refreshed and renewed in us mm-hmm. uh, as we have come to faith and, and trust in him as the savior that God has sent to bring us into life and relationship with him forever. Um, if I could spend all day doing this Jesus talk, mm-hmm. not just talking about him, but knowing that we're talking with him mm-hmm. and he's in the presence of not, not just our conversation, but in, in stimulating our minds and stimulating mm-hmm. our hearts to, to engage in, in truth and, and, uh, and statements of truth. Um, I would love to say that that's what characterizes my life. I, I wish it did. Um, Again, in order to do this, you've got to you've got to be sitting in front of somebody else that wants to right. <laughs> Jesus talk to, and uh, yeah. and they're not uh, they're not as common to find as you might mm-hmm. think. We've talked about the the greatest challenge, and we're going to kind of dive into that a little more too. But I do want to know the opposite of that. What is your greatest joy mm-hmm. as as a pastor? Yeah. Uh, thanks. Uh, I'm just sitting here tearful now because. I don't think there is a greater joy than being present when someone who is discovering their need, never been part of Christ, never trusted Him before, but discovers their need for Him, Mm -hmm. 
because they realize that they are separated and that God doesn't want them that way, doesn't want them to be separated, doesn't want them to do life on their own, doesn't, doesn't want the struggle and the pain and the, and the consequences that come with that. And uh, for the first time, they have actually encountered the Spirit who is influencing them to trust this Jesus who they have not yet are meeting right now in the moment. And they do, in reckless abandon, give themselves up. And, uh, yeah, that's probably the greatest, the greatest joy. There are joys along the way. There are joys uh, after, after a sermon, if someone comes and says, boy, Jesus really used that word in my heart. Well, yeah, that's because it was his, his word, and, and you heard from him. It just, right. my voice, that's all. Um, yeah, the whole idea that, that we are vessels um, indwelt by the Holy Spirit to not just speak out his truth, but to live it out in the present. Mm-hmm. So you were saying that uh, you, you referenced um, um, emulating Christ. I would say that maybe differently. What I would say is my goal as a Christian, not just as a pastor, but my goal as a Christian is to blur the line between me and him Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up. It's not my life anymore, and he's in it to live out his life. So if I can blur that line, and you don't know whether you're looking at Duncan or Jesus, oh, that's a good thing. If you don't know that, you know, that... um, that the, the response that you're getting or the interaction that you're getting is, is actually him. And sometimes I don't even know that until it comes out or, or even, even moments or days later or vice versa, that I'm hearing from him and, and he'll, the Spirit will use it again, uh, you know, something you said um, recently and, and use it again to, to prompt my heart trust him where I am not or to believe in him where I'm not. So anyway, yeah. No, all beautiful uh, things. Yeah, good yeah, stuff. The joy. What does the weekly kind of schedule, I'm sure that there are some routines, some throw-ins if people are ill, but um, what is it? What is a typical day or week in, in the life of a pastor look like? <laughs> I'm not sure there is typical. Yeah. So we'll just start with that. And I don't know how anybody else might do this, but for me, um, Monday is a day of uh, some reflection, looking back on a worship service on Sunday, um, getting caught up in terms of who, who did I see, who didn't I see, who, who might uh, be facing um, uh, some kind of... Uh, medical procedure or 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 some life changing occurrence uh, for the coming week. How can I, you know, I need to to schedule those opportunities for for um, connection and um, <clears throat> and so Monday for me is just a little bit of a catch up day, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that whatever was promised on Sunday. Um, in the hallway or uh, in the fellowship hall or where, wherever we were uh, as, as I engage with, with uh, uh, members um, it, it, that I am able to follow through on those things. Uh, t- 
Tuesday, uh, again, I won't go Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. What I will say is that the rest of the week is filled with um, things that you plan to get accomplished. Some of them are uh, the, the, the uh, maybe the revision of a, a manual, or, or you're working on a constitution with, with uh, another committee, or, or um, significant aspects of administration are going into it. Maybe you're uh, rewriting uh, job uh, dis descriptions or position descriptions or you're looking at evaluative process or maybe you're, you're uh, thinking about uh, a, a deacon ordination service or you're looking at the uh, deacon selection process or, you know, it's just a lot of processes involved. Uh, a lot of committee work involved or ministry team work I'd prefer that um, and uh, and and that takes you through the week you're always cognizant as a pastor of uh, not only what the Lord is presenting you uh, or presenting to you during moments of the days but how that might relate to the upcoming sermon, or how that might relate to a part of the sermon series that you're in, uh, because I have found uh, that it's sometimes a joy and sometimes a challenge that I am going to be given the opportunity to live out whatever truth is coming up. Um, Sometimes I'm living out a truth that has already happened, or sometimes I'm living out, living out a truth that won't be preached mm -hmm. for maybe three weeks. But uh, I'm always going to be given the opportunity yeah. to prove this out of my life um, in relationship with mm -hmm. Him. And I, I love that. Uh, it's always easy. It's always fun. But it's always productive and always gives uh, a very applicable or practical aspect of of uh, again sermon or lesson or you know whatever is coming up yeah so um, might be involved in preaching it's hard sometimes to get too far ahead and far enough ahead and and uh, the Lord always has bigger plans than I do uh, there will be not amazing yeah wow ah, shocker <laughs> uh, there will always be lessons to, to, to you know to be involved in there will be uh, opportunities to lead uh, others who are teaching. Um, and to help them in that process so and wow. preparedness so um, gosh um, have I have I touched and and then again people who are calling you and saying mm -hmm. I just need a little bit of time and and uh, wanting you know wanting to give them as much uh, as they would require um, and and uh, enjoying the opportunity for people not not that it creates a, a sense of um, false security. I am not and never will be the answer to their problem. I know who he is. They do too. It's just it's just Helping kind of unveiling them, uh, unveiling Jesus to, to them. And sometimes we get so crowded in our own uh, maybe conflict or mm -hmm. in our own circumstance that it, it though just that aspect makes it very difficult right. to find Christ. However, uh, someone who is not in the, in the uh, throes um, can uh, can point out um, more easily probably yeah. uh, where where to find him and how to reach him and how to connect and and that right. kind of stuff. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love every aspect of of pastoring. I always have. Um, 
I'm not good at every aspect of pastoring, <laughs> but I know that Jesus is. And so again, the more freedom I give him to operate in me, mm-hmm. uh, the better will the church do, the better will the members do uh, with him and, uh, yeah, and in life. So. Yes, and as you're talking about helping, um, really the process, right? Counseling is about the process. Mm-hmm. It's you are far enough outside of the situation to be able to clearly see in, hey, look, this is, <laughs> I, I see where you are. This is also what I see. Have you seen God's hand here? And have you seen this piece? And Because it is so so hard when you're in the middle of the chaos for it to be quiet enough to hear right. and to see without <laughs> your glasses fogged up, right? Um, and so that's neat to do that. What is, I don't know that, and I'm not going to speak for every church, but I would think most pastors, there are probably counseling services, whether it is from them or within um, the church staff, what would you say the importance is for members of your congregation to either ask for a counseling session or even just convey to you what is going on? Why is that kind of vital for you and, and your your team to know about? Yeah, great question. And, and let me just say, uh, just just defining counseling, I, I, am, I am not a trained counselor. Um, so I want to be careful right, about that, right. and, and I've never even had a trained counselor on staff. And and I don't mind referring people to counselors mm-hmm. that I have met and that I that I trust, uh, yes, who are true. not just Christians who counsel, but Christians who counsel with Christ. Mm-hmm. That that would be a distinction. Um, for me, this idea of counseling is a matter of talking it out. It's a matter mm-hmm. of Jesus talk, and and in that I find so much benefit. Uh, not just for me, but for the people who are coming to, as you say, um, discover him to be at work, but aren't aren't really able to see what's going on. So, j- just a word about counseling. Um, uh, wh- the question was, why is that important for you to know what is going yeah. on with within the congregation? Yeah. Uh, it, important for a couple of reasons. Number one, that it keeps me in touch with what's happening mm-hmm. on uh, on the, the member level and uh, I, 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 I do know that a pastor can get too far down the road mm-hmm. for his church to follow and I, 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 uh, it's a sad thing uh, when that happens so uh, again we, we have to be thinking ahead but I also think that pastors lead from both the front and the back mm-hmm. and the sides and the middle and the you know I, we, we've got to be in, engaged in every way so this just helps that engagement helps us to to know where uh, what, what people are thinking about and what their struggle is in terms of you know s- submitting entirely to the Lord in in trust and love mm-hmm. uh, believing that God is for them and believing that God is is um, is loving them and not not you know ready to crack down on them I think right. we have this really bad foundation of theology yeah. we, we think that he is a, somehow an old man with a crooked finger oh, yeah ready to and, strike us down oh and he the first is time. so delighted Mm-hmm. That we have allowed the Spirit to influence us, so that we might choose to believe. Right. 
in who Christ is. And honestly, it's not as if the battle is over, mm -hmm. but the bulk of it is over. After that, he's in us to do the work of sanctification or to, to bring maturity in terms of spiritual growth. So, um, yeah, do, do, does it require something of us? Yes, diligence. And again, um, we, we get to uncover the the good points, the points of celebration, as well as the points of, uh, of kind of hardship and challenge among our congregants, if they're willing to talk with us mm -hmm. about things that are, you know, not, not going so well. Counseling still, I think counseling typically has come a long way right. uh, in terms of coming out of the basement and coming out of the darkness and, and coming rather into the light and being okay mm -hmm. that people need uh, again, I think help just simply talking it out, mm -hmm. talking him out, finding the truth that applies, and finding how, out uh, what Jesus is is doing and wanting mm -hmm. to do in this particular circumstance. So, um, yeah, uh, it keeps keeps a leader tuned in and mm -hmm. and and connected. And able to probably provide resources that people may not either have access to or not may not know. Absolutely. Right? Whether Absolutely. whether it is a professional counselor that you can connect them with, whether it is they need financial resources, they need clothing, they need food, or to say, hey, this is, as a church, this is how we can come alongside and pray with them and help guide them or navigate this season with them, sure. good or bad. I think those are all wonderful things um now a piece also of counseling and, and y'all i say that loosely when i say counseling in this context it is simply the the talk processing that need, needs to happen um and so not to offend any any trained professional counselors out there uh, but just wanted to preface that when i say counselor that is all i'm talking about just the the act of talking and processing all of the feelings and emotions um within within this church setting we might um, even understand it better in the term discipleship although yes. i would also i would also yes. use the term counseling but yeah absolutely yeah. um but with that for couples that are engaged, newly engaged, you're dating someone that you know you're going to marry, and this is for you. So um, something that you may want to consider is premarital counseling. Absolutely. Now, um, I'm going to ask you two things. First, what is that? Okay. Second, why is it so important? Or why do you feel like it is important for couples to engage in that before marriage? Yeah. Uh, it, it, what premarital counseling is gives... gives uh, any pastor the opportunity to further define this marriage covenant that to to uh, uh, a man and a woman are are entering into um, uh, covenants are not contracts and we don't mm. know in this day and age the distinction between the two but simply stated covenants are are uh, a promise to bless someone because you can and choose to there is no fallout clause. Mm. In fact, it, covenant is a term that comes from really early uh, Hebrew history where a person would, would covenant to bless someone else or die trying. Oh, wow. And so when you think about the covenant that, God's, that God made with man and declared even to Adam and Eve, he literally died mm. blessing 
Adam and Eve and all of mankind through this beautiful Messiah that he promised to send who would make us right with God because mm -hmm. we could not be right with him otherwise. And, and that's the basics of, uh, or, the, or the base of a, of a covenantal, covenantal understanding. And I would want, I, I want the husband and wife to understand that because it puts marriage in an entirely different context mm -hmm. than the world knows it. Um, it puts it in the context of a, of a blessing, of a choice, mm -hmm. and a choice that needs to be made and renewed every day. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it gives us opportunities to talk about the challenges that, that uh, most marriages, well, probably all marriages face, most marriages will, will try to handle uh, in anticipation of those experiences. And um, uh, yeah, so, so that to me is why premarital counseling is important. It prepares uh, a couple to begin to investigate things that may otherwise thwart them or get mm -hmm. them distracted or off course when they occur. Um, because they will. <laughs> uh, because they will. That's exactly right. Uh, and the yeah. second issue is? Um, yes. Why would you? Why do you feel like it is important for them to engage in premarital counseling? Yeah. Again, just because it, I, I think it exposes some things that they're going to need to know and mm -hmm. uh, some ideas that otherwise are not being presented. Yes. Yeah. And I think so often it's easy as you're dating or even the newly engaged, now you're trying to plan a wedding. Um, there are things that change once you get married. Even if, uh, even for couples that have lived together, I'm telling you that once you get married, even if you're with someone all the time before, there's something that's different. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you're going to see things that you used to think were cute and now they annoy the mess out of you. Um, but there are some things that you may not have thought to discuss that are, that are crucial in the knowledge and the foundation of, of marriage. And so this does allow for the opportunity for your pastor and, or, or, or someone of your choosing on, on staff to engage in this with you, to help you walk through this, to help you prepare, to help give you the needed encouragement that during, talk about a chaotic time, right? Planning a wedding Absolutely. and during sometimes one could be disconnected typically it's the the wife that is doing a lot of this right or or I should say one or the other whoever wants to be the party planner sure. and the other one they they could be a little disconnected so this does allow also for the transparency and kind of that unifying piece it does and it reminds me of the the, the old adage you don't know what you don't know right and right so this gives an opportunity for someone else who has maybe um, helped others to to prepare for uh, a marriage um, to lay in front of them issues mm -hmm. like you were talking about that that they may not even come up and and uh, uh, I think the the biggest realm of those issues those challenging mm -hmm. issues are probably unspoken mm -hmm. uh, expectations. Uh, oh, we, yeah. you know, again, different traditions, different family mm -hmm. ways of dealing with things. I individuals have different ways of processing mm -hmm. and making decisions. And uh, if you're a closet thinker, and rather than a talker outer or a maker of lists, uh, pros and cons, then uh, yeah, again, you're not going to you're, you're going to want to engage the way you're the, the mm -hmm. way you typically do. And if you're marrying someone who is a, a different personality type. Um, 
again, there, there are just really good things to talk about. We talk about uh, not just uh, unspoken expectations, but also um, uh, how to speak love mm-hmm. to your spouse and, and give opportunity to figure out kind of what, langu- what love language. Um, yes. Great book. Uh, Gary, can't remember his last name. Yeah, yeah, I, I love get it. <laughs> anyway, oh. Chapman, I think. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, good book, and and has has it does not it's not it pull out of scripture at all, but it it seems to have some basis that uh, that we can operate in and get better at uh, not not necessarily get better at loving each other, get better at understanding that we're being loved by someone. Yes, and yes, that's, that's, uh, that's a, that can be a missing component and a frustrating one, to be honest with you. So, no, absolutely. Yeah. Premarital counseling, I must, I must. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely advised. Um, as we've talked about the challenges and the joys and your day-to-day and um, the counseling part, youth loosely again, um, I want to talk about something that I know that y'all have experienced, you and mom. I know that there are a lot of pastors that experience this and even some of them choose to pull out of ministry because of of what we are going to discuss now um church hurt and um and things that you experience as a pastor that honestly come down to miscommunication probably right or perceived um reading between the lines all we could boil it down to so many different things but um what i want to start with what encouragement would you give to a pastor that just feels under it that feels misunderstood and alone in ministry, even though he is surrounded by people all the time, especially if there is a, f- a few that are just cultivating a, um, a terrible atmosphere him, for him to be involved in. Well, what would I tell that pastor? I would remind that pastor that he is not called, um, not called into ministry by a church. He is called into ministry by, um, by the Lord himself. And um, that's an important concept to remember and to and to to uh, connect with constantly, because um, in this process of becoming who God has already made us to be, Hebrews chapter ten, that He has He is sanctifying those whom He has perfected. Mm-hmm. Remarkable, mm-hmm. remarkable. Uh, we still contend with flesh. Uh, that is the patterns by which we get our own needs met. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still contend with um, uh, wrong attitudes. We still contend with temptations and lie-based thinking and, and all those kind of things and, and can be proponents of those when we really don't want to be. Mm-hmm. So, um, what again, what I would say is you will be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. You may be devalued, but you will never be by the Lord himself. And so cling, cling to him and hold everybody else open, root for them all, love them with all you can. Jesus does. Um, I think Jesus, in the scriptures, Jesus is found to be saying that um, because he knows what's in man, and this of course is before 
conversion and before the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. it, it can be even offered because he hasn't gone to the cross yet and then ha- and therefore hasn't been resurrected. Before before this conversion experience that can happen, where uh, we are, we talked about it uh, earlier, uh, immersed by the Holy Spirit into Christ, permanently changed and, and never to come out, or circumcised heart where the flesh has been cut away. Mm-hmm. All, all those are different ways that the Scripture talks about this new birth by the Spirit. Um, before any of that uh, was available, Jesus said, "I know what's in man, mm-hmm. and I do not trust myself to or entrust myself to him." So, but we don't have that opportunity right. now. He really wants us to be his vessels of truth and love, love mm-hmm. probably predominantly. And um, that can be a very difficult thing. One of the things that's also difficult is if you're a pastor who has been, again, given of, uh, uh, resources and, and time sacrifice from family to mm-hmm. pursue an education, educational degree through seminary, um, it, it's sometimes very difficult. Uh, you know, for example, I would never walk into a doctor's office who has been to medical school right. and, <laughs> and ask for a diagnosis and then ever say to him, well, no, that's not right. You what? <laughs> but that, that can happen rather constantly because of the way that Christians process their own faith. Right. Um, and this is what I would say about that. There is one correct way to interpret Scripture. And now you're thinking, I'm going to say, it's my way. No, no. It's, not <laughs> way. it's not my way. It is the Spirit's way. Right. He knows exactly the way he prevailed on 40 different men over 1,400 years mm-hmm. to write down what was inscripturated and is useful for us. But that book, that Bible, only introduces us to Jesus. We have to choose to encounter him. Mm-hmm. And again, once we choose that now, after the cross and the resurrection, he puts his spirit in us and we've got all we need between what is written the words of God written through uh, the history of mankind, mm-hmm. along with this spirit who is now in us to lead us and guide us and to do it uh, his way, life with him, it can be a beautiful thing. It can be. Um, following the encouragement that you've given, can you share a story or a time with us that you have experienced um, some difficult a difficult season within within ministry. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, when I look back, I I, I, I think to myself, oh, um, gee, when the church was growing, really leaps and bounds, um, almost every week we had somebody walking down to, to the aisle to join the church, and and I was not taking that for granted, but um, I wasn't ever prepared for the mm-hmm. page to turn and for that to stop. And so, while not, not even, not, not wanting credit for that, because it's not me, mm-hmm. it, it, it would never be me. But also not wanting to be blamed for that season to stop. I didn't create it. I, I didn't stop it. Um, yeah, that uh, brought uh, some hardship into our lives and some. Uh, what I believe is misperception in terms Mm -hmm. of um, 
the longevity of our uh, pastoral season with this particular church. Um, and then, very quickly on the heels of that, I have to say, while that was incredibly hurtful, uh, I have to say, but God, and I will always say, but God yes. made that good for your mom and me. Right. Made that good for us. Um, didn't make it like it didn't happen. In fact, the next time, and it was over a year and a, uh, a year and a half later, that the Lord called me kind of back into a, a, a ministerial position, a pastoral position. Um, my greatest concern, to, as I voiced it with, uh, to him and as we discussed this pastoral opportunity, was, uh, number one, I was overjoyed uh, because I know I was created by him for this mm -hmm. and that he hadn't changed the call and I, I, he gave me a season of, of uh, refreshment apart from the church. Apart from leading the church, right. but when he called me back in, my greatest issue and question was, "How, Lord, how am I going to love them?" I'm not. I haven't forgotten. I'm still not unaware. I'm not as greatly affected by as I was. But mm -hmm. how will I love them? Mm -hmm. And honestly, so what he said to me was, "I'll take care of that," mm. and almost as if it were a light switch. Right. Uh, I, w I walked into the position and he turned it on and I realized that I would never pastor any other way but full out, love on, root for, lead with everything he's given, mm -hmm. given in me to do that. and. Uh, 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 what, a, what a great triumph and victory for him yeah. uh, over me mm -hmm. uh, that that experience was. Just profoundly wonderful. Because if he has called you, he has already equipped you. Yes. And I think that and that is proven. He's the equipment yes. for me. Yes. Yes. And I think that's also just being still enough to allow him to do continually invite him into the situation just because you don't invite him does not mean he is not there no. not what i'm saying but there is a difference in him just being present and you inviting him to take your hand and walk with you in the situation and inviting him to show you things and you to see things that you would not be able to see you've said it beautifully that whole invitation is really your hand going up and say i'm the one who needs you mm -hmm. to do this and he Help. responds to that all day long. He does. He, and, he does. and loves loves yes. our recognition of uh, our need, need, end of ourselves, yeah. not enough in in and of ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, he'll he'll never see it any other way. Right. And uh, I've decided mm -hmm. I'm with him. So. And if you are someone that, um, like me, I often struggle to ask for help. Um, if anything, I have learned over these nearly three years after the accident, it's very, very hard for me. I'm very stubborn in that way. I do not want to depend on others. I don't want to be a burden to others or inconvenient anyone um, or, or be an inconvenience to anyone. That was a really cute grammatical error. Oops. Um, but I have, there, there is something so beautiful that shifts when I know without a doubt that the Lord finds joy 
and he is so pleased when I take the time to ask for help. It is no longer a failure. Oh, I can't do it. No, this is excitement. This is he, I have invited him to walk. That means that I am going to grow and I'm going to learn and I'm going to gain a close comfort to him that I have not experienced before. Um, and that is the, that's the beauty of the relationship is not just in the good things. Yes. Hey, look at this course that I passed. Look at and the, the salvation that you have allowed my, my children, you have extended, they have accepted and the beauty of baptism. Like, look at this, but it's not just celebrating the victories. It's not just when you're in the floor devastated over a medical diagnosis or over the loss of a family member or a friend um, or the, the getting fired from a job or losing your house because you couldn't pay the bill. It, it's not just the, the need and theirs. He wants to be a part of all of it. And I encourage you, your life will be that much sweeter when you invite him daily to walk with you and to join in and just be a part. Um, it really is just a beautiful thing. It really is. With the hurt that comes and, and you have shown so beautifully how he allowed you to overcome mm. difficult situation um, and, and still the calling was for you into ministry, even though there's a season you're without. Um, and he did release you when it was time and then called you back in and made. And, and now we're looking at, at finishing the years until retirement um, at this wonderful church um, that you're at. How is someone who is called to church? I'm sure there's someone putting in resumes because they feel called somewhere. They are not sure where. This is a season of transition for them. What advice or encouragement would you give them as they, uh, what do you feel like are kind of the vital steps as you step into a new role, into being a pastor at a new church? Okay, so um, number one, uh, expect to hear from the Spirit. He's in charge of this. You're, uh, you, you may not find the direction that you're looking for through the scripture mm. apart from the Spirit. In other words, uh, uh, unless, unless the church down the road is called Galatia, you're probably... <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there's my point. Expect to hear from the Spirit. He's in charge of this. He wants this to work. He wants you to hear. He wants you to trust. He wants you to walk in love with Him. And He will make this match beautiful. Uh, and 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 glorious and wonderful for you, both the way he's created and kind of um, gifted and and melded, you know, you as a as an individual and a pastor, but also in the way that uh, the church is find itself composed at this particular point in in their history. So expect that. Um, uh, don't go anywhere because it furthers your resume. Don't go anywhere mm. because they're paying you more. Don't go anywhere for, for again, these fleshly reasons. You right. just, you're, you're, you'll find no fulfillment or satisfaction in them. That isn't where God places the, the, the joy right. of the, the strength of the Lord. So expect Him. To lead this and expect to be comfortable, I think, I'm going to say this, comfortable and peaceful with every step that you need to take along the way as you follow mm -hmm. him in it. 
um, yeah, that's what I, that's what I would say. We I think the only the only time we sense a failing in the friendship with the Lord is when we don't expect that He should be not only ahead of us, not only for us, not only rubbing His hands together and saying, "I'm so delighted with you. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of you." No, not not because you're doing everything right, because you're mine, and right. I've, I've got this handle. So. Uh, yeah, that, that's what I would say. I love that. Trust the Lord. Do not be fearful. There is no place for fear. No. As we're loved so incredibly yeah. well. You and again, what can, what can happen to us? Mm-hmm. If God has promised to work everything, even if it looks bad or, or is bad for, for us, if he's going to work everything to our good, what, how can we lose? Right. Now, re- you feel free to remind me that I said this the next time I'm <laughs> Please. Complain. Please. No. Um, and I think I know that we have focused a lot on speaking specifically to, to pastors or to people in ministry. Um, and I don't mean to leave anyone out. The, the truth is the same, regardless of, of what role you play in life, regardless of career, regardless of where you live or are. If the Lord has put a calling on your life, not only is he going to equip you, but he is going to see you through. And when you ask him, when you invite him into this, he will make it abundantly clear for you and anybody else that that needs to be a part of this. He will make it very, very clear where he wants you to be. Um, but trust it. Don't ask him to, to tell you three additional times like I have in my life on certain things. But it, it's a beautiful thing that, that there is a peace that we can gain that only comes from him mm. that a piece that is unexplainable and unattainable on our own and absolutely well said Beautiful. but that is something that he ha- will give to us and if we will just listen not to what we want him to say or not what we've already decided that he has mm. said but what he is saying what he is saying um you know prayer for us too is not only just that invitation for him to come in but it's, it's not just about, I think, prayer start is like, I want this to come my way. It's like, kind of a one-way This is what I want. It is. It is. Get, on, get yeah. on the train, yeah. Lord. This is where we're going. Instead, I've, I have often found for myself that that conversation through prayer and through petition, through asking him to come and join me. And yes, and on my road trip, you can sit in the passenger seat. No. But it becomes eventually... A, a changing and melding of my will with his mm-hmm. and how beautiful that happens. Um, and during the process, and it doesn't feel like I'm white knuckling something by holding it so tight. It's, it is a joyous process. And at the end to know that you have walked with him um, and that you didn't have to get to the end and look back and say, Oh, I guess he was there. I just was so upset during the whole process and sure. <laughs> that I couldn't see it or trying to have control. So, and um, I would just encourage anyone. Um, I know transitions are scary and, but they can yield such goodness, especially when you're where he wants you to be in closing. I would love to know, um, it, well, right before closing, <laughs> I do want to know, I know we've talked about pastors and transition pastors who are hurt, just some encouragement offering that, um, why premarital counseling or different kinds of counseling. Um, if there is someone in a member in your congregation that they feel like they have heard something that they do not agree with, they have a misunderstanding, um, or they are upset, just genuinely upset about something, how would you advise them to approach 
or how would you want them oh, to start if, that? Oh, mm-hmm. if, if, they, if they heard something through lesson or preaching, yes, that yeah. kind of thing, that, that just didn't jive maybe for them, with them. It mm-hmm. maybe it maybe it conflicted with something that they'd been taught earlier, right? Uh, uh, and so the issue is with me or a uh, or a teaching that has come yes, out maybe of on my staff. Mind. Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. So um, I'll answer it this way: Come to come to me, please. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody else can speak for me. Right. Um, so there's no point in in talking to anybody else to get an explanation. Now, uh, while I say that, it let, let's all face the hard truth that mm-hmm. sometimes we're not looking for an explanation. Right. We're looking for a posse. We don't need that. If uh, what, what we need is to pursue understanding and reconciliation. And so um, I expect that I am living a life that is authentic enough and sincere enough for people to expect me to be the same on Tuesday morning as I am on Thursday night and mm-hmm. Sunday morning. Um, so... If you've got an issue, a question, a, a, a conflict, if you've got anything, come to me. Let's do some Jesus talk about mm-hmm. this. Let's get to the real issue. Let's get to the real, uh, the real solution. And let's find him together mm-hmm. and then celebrate that we have joined together with him in the truth of what needs to be understood or said um, by the same token. If somebody comes to me and has an issue, issue with what someone else did or said, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to intervene. I'm not going right. to be a mediator because I can't solve your problem. I don't know why that was done or why you perceived it to be done that way. But I can do this. I can either, I, I will always point you, or I can help you create a situation in which you might be able to talk to that individual. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it, it's, it's always going to be, Matthew 18, always going to be one-on-one yes. with the person with whom you are having a problem, whether it's, whether it's a problem that you've created by offense, mm-hmm. un- un- unintentional or, or even intentional. Probably. Or, <laughs> or a problem where somebody else has offended you. And, right. and you, gosh, you know, I can, I can think of times. I, I said something uh, a, a thousand years ago, and a, a man two months later came up to me and said in a conversation, when you said this, this is, this is how I was offended. And I was so delighted that he would just tell me that because I, I would not have had any idea. And I, I could say, as I did, I am so incredibly sorry mm-hmm. that you perceived that I would you know, want to want to offend you in that in that in, in any way or a phrase like that? Uh, that was absolutely mm-hmm. not intended. Would you please forgive me? And 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 could we work uh, together to to realize how valuable you are mm-hmm. to me and and uh, and how, what a great friendship I think we we have. Anyway, um, <clears throat> that's the only way that reconciliation really happens, and reconciliation is a must. For that is our ambassadorship, mm-hmm. not just to reconcile people who don't know Christ to Christ through faith in Him, but also to reconcile those who do know Him um, uh, with each other so that we might walk as we are one in body, one with Him. Mm-hmm. How incredible is that? Great. Yes, it is. Um, what do you find most precious? within being a pastor? 
I think I would answer that the thing that is most precious to me is to prove that Christ is real. Hmm. And I'm proving it to me in every instance and, and circumstance and situation and episode. And I am... He is becoming bigger, larger, um, more significant, more critical with with every passing day, moment. It's, that's what's precious to me, that I get to do life with Him, including vocation, mm. in a way that is most satisfying to me and a way that I know pleases Him. It's a beautiful thing. Better than I deserve. Mm. Always. Well, I will say it has always been a joy to sit and not just listen to you preach, but watch you as a child. Um, I mean, I, I saw the sacrifice, the tennis matches that you couldn't attend because, mm-hmm. you know, you had a meeting or you had, um, I don't want to say someone disgruntled in the church, but there was some kind of issue or um, at the hospital visiting with someone who was ill or um, and I, but I have always seen you and you and Mama do ministry so well together. Not only do y'all love the Lord, but you love other people so well and so much more than I think that they know. And there is so much more than um, your calling is so much more than a great sermon on Sunday or even a mediocre one. It is so much better than, um, you know, Sunday school classes and, and, and writing curriculum or reading a book four times to make sure that you can recommend it for a discipleship course or creating the shape ministry or making sure you have volunteers on Sundays or leading, guiding your other staff members in, in meetings and making sure that um, music is in correlation, helping prepare the hearts for what the message is going to, to share to them. And um, it's hospital visits, it's funerals and it's weddings and it's new babies and dedications and premarital counseling. There's, there's just so much and I haven't even listed them all. I'm sure there's a million more things, but there's so much that people don't see. Um, so if you are listening and you have a pastor, see a pastor, know a pastor, uh, whatever that looks like, I would, I would encourage you to pray for them that the Lord would continue to use them, that they would continue to feel encouraged and empowered to be used by the Lord. Pray protection over them, that they would not give in to the lies of Satan, that um, goodness, or, or the things that people are saying, or um, miscommunications that are had. So pray for them, pray for the protection, and be an encouragement. Be a source of encouragement for them. Let them know that. When, when, they, when there is a great sermon that touches you deeply, that pulls your heartstrings, I wish that you would shoot them an email, send them a card, pull, you know, tug on their shirt sleeve after church and let them know, hey, what you're doing makes a difference. This is how it impacted me. That is such a source of joy and encouragement to keep going. Um, like any job, it's a job, right? There are going to be hardships. There are going to be bad days, but there's also going to be encouragement. And, and like with anything, you only typically hear the negative and that is never going to be enough 
there's never enough good to outweigh the bad, but that is what we are going to change. We are going to try to start encouraging in a way that makes them feel like they are loved and appreciated and the child of God that they are. So as y'all have listened, this was very, very faith-based. Um, if you have questions um, about the, the God that we have spoken about, um, we would love for you to reach out to us. We'd love to have a conversation with you. If you are a pastor going through hurt or trial or struggle and need someone to talk to you, I would love to put you in contact with someone who has been there and would love to walk with you through it. If you are someone that is interested in finding a local church um, and needs some direction, we would love to help you do that as well, regardless of where you are. Um, as always, I, I hope that this has provided a, a change of perspective for you. I hope that you have been able to engage with us and that something has uh, encouraged you today. Choose to be kind, choose to be grateful, choose to encourage. And we'll see you next week for another episode of Heather's Most Precious. Bye, y'all. Heather's Most Precious is brought to you with love by the Hendrickson Agency, an insurance agency serving all of Georgia and Tennessee. The Hendrickson Agency, properly protecting your most precious possessions. Support for Heather's Most Precious is provided by Study.com, which offers SAT and ACT study materials and even has resources for AP and college credit courses. Listeners of Heather's Most Precious get 30% off their first three months of any subscription level with offer code PRECIOUS. Just go to Study.com and use offer code PRECIOUS at checkout. Heather's Most Precious is produced by Chattanooga Podcast Studios and is part of the Podnooga Network. Find out more at ChattanoogaPodcastStudios.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of Heather's Most Precious. Proud member of the Podnooga Network.